Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO and you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is the CHGO White Sox community leader, Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. We are here to recap the White Sox four-game series versus the Baltimore Orioles. They won today, but lost the three other ones. They win today in four to three in exciting and terrifying fashion. Excited to talk about Dylan Cease's performance. Not excited to talk about the end of that game. And honestly, the hitting, although they won, still disappointing in this game and throughout the entire series. And we'll talk about the White Sox taking on the Angels in their next series. Vinny Duber will be joining us midway through, and we'll talk injuries with him and get some updates on some players who should be returning soon, or we'll get some updates on if they won't be returning soon. Sir, uh, Herb, I was going to call you Sir. Sir... White Sox sure. win four to three. What'd you make of this game? Um, good to win. So that is awesome to have a victory finally after four straight losses. But also, they and I mentioned it to you, like in the middle of the game, the White Sox were winning four to one. They had five hits off of Jordan Lyles, mm-hmm. who you guys are watching the game. That man was trash. He was hanging bunch of sliders, hanging a bunch of change-ups, middle-middle. And, of course, we got one of those good hits from Gavin Sheets, who murdered that pitch, but few, too few and far between there from a bad pitcher in the White Sox, not just absolutely obliterating this guy, which we said in the pregame that he had the most hits given up in the American League. White Sox happened to scratch out eight hits in this game. So, good to win, lots of problems there. Not even that ninth inning. We're not even talking about that ninth inning yet. Brutal. What's going on with your man Hose? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, hey, uh, I doubted Jose Abreu because of his bat, uh, not because of his glove. His glove's gotten better over the past three years. Also, sorry about my voice. I know that we talked a little bit about this in the pregame, uh, but I lost my voice over the weekend. My bad on me. Uh, I can do a pretty good Scott Farrell impression with this, but uh, you're, you're talking about the hard hits. The hardest actual hits Andrew Vaughn had two loud outs. One was at 104.9 miles per hour. Uh, His other one was at 107. It was a ground out. The hardest actual hit was Gavin Sheets' home run uh, in the second inning that put them up two to one. It was 100 or two nothing. It was 101 off the bat. But uh, you mentioned Jose Abreu. Ninth inning. Tim Anderson makes this fantastic play, ranging towards the left field line. It's a Jeter-esque jump throw. I mean, I, I know that that guy made it famous. I know not everybody loves him, but that's what I think of whenever I see a jump throw. Exactly. Beautiful throw by Tim Anderson. Beautiful athletic play, and it hits Jose Abreu right here in the glove, right here in the heel, pops right out, run around first. Next play, hit right at Jose Abreu. We've seen him make this play so many times. Run around first, he picks up the ball, throws it to second, Goes back, covers the bag. It's an easy double play, and he's really been smooth with those. But he indecisively looks at second, decides not to throw it, then starts running to first, drops the ball. Two runners get on because of Jose Abreu. And with your team struggling like this, and I understand Jose wants to be in there every single day, and he looked a lot better. There was a a hit, uh, I believe, I forget, no, I'm I'm blanking on who it was. I think it was uh, Berger. It might have been Gavin Sheets. Uh, But there was a hit, and and Jose Abreu ended up scoring uh, from second base, and he looked great rounding third base. He looked fine, wasn't limping, and that was been the big concern. But this is just, in the ninth inning, you have to be sharp. You have to be there, especially when your team is on uh, the the four-game losing streak that they are, Four and six in their last ten. 
just brutal at the end. And the White Sox just kind of let it slip and let it slip. And thankfully, they don't let it completely slip. But against the Orioles, the Orioles look like the better team this series. And that's horrible to say if you're the White Sox. You saw exactly what happens with the Orioles. Like, never did you feel like the Orioles would make a play that would mess themselves up. Cedric Mullins, man. <laughs> Come on now. That diving catch he made, oh, the, lo- the long-ranging oh, catch no. off of uh, Andrew Vaughn. Like, all the plays. I said to Sean, I was like, if the ball's hit into the play, uh, the field of play, Cedric Mullins is going to catch it. And damn sure that man catch caught everything. The guy at third was gloving it. Was that Aruza, whatever his name is? Yeah. Aruza, whatever you it's, say his uh, name. Arauz. 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 He was he was filthy at third. Awesome. Gloving everything that was hit to him. At Homer. They were yeah, and he crushed a, a slider by Gavin Sheets. I mean Gavin Sheets. Uh Dylan Seats that was a little elevated. But you knew that the Baltimore Orioles weren't gonna beat themselves. The White Sox tried to beat themselves all game long. You saw Dylan Cease, and he probably, after that first inning when he struck out the three guys on three filthy sliders, probably went back to the clubhouse and dugouts like, give me two. Yeah, give me two today. That's it. They ain't scoring much more than that. And, you know, theoretically, if they play defense in the ninth inning, that would have been held up. But, yeah, the Orioles don't beat themselves. They are a fundamentally sound team. Tip of the cap to Brandon High. I am impressed by with Baltimore Orioles. That record doesn't mean a damn thing because they play versus inferior teams or superior teams in that AL East. They're probably like, mm, we're going to the AL Central? We're playing them? Mm, delicious. Let's yeah. eat. Hey. Let's relax. I don't, it's like, Dylan Cease, yeah, be on the bump. Do what you can with your 13 strikeouts, but we still have a chance at the end of the game because we still play ourselves the game that we're going to play and we're never going to beat ourselves. I don't know if they do this otherwise in other games, but the four games I've seen this, this day or this weekend, Mercy. I, I got tell hitters. you what, I don't want to see them in again. I know the White Sox go back out to be more this year, but no, I'm good. They got great hitters, and Joe R says it. I mean, the Orioles would be in first place in the Central. I'd probably think so, too. I mean, they got they got a great lineup. Their pitching is pretty horrible, but like you said, great defense. And Cedric Mullins, I mean, this kid is fantastic. Uh, I didn't get to see a ton of them in his great breakout year in 2021, but a guy that was a 13th round pick in 2015, for him to work up, for him to switch how he played baseball in 2021 and become a solely left-handed hitter because it would benefit his career and then turns that into an all-star appearance, turns that into a 10th place MVP vote. It is so great to see guys truly work and hone in on their craft. And that dive, I mean, Andrew Vaughn tipped his cap uh, on that play 100. 105 mile line out to right center field. What a jump, what a route, and truly diving out full extension. And for a guy that's under six feet tall, I mean, you have to be so fast and so perfect judging and lining up that ball to make that diving play. Truly incredible stuff from him. And right after that play by Cedric Mullins, here comes Luis Robert with one of the worst at-bats I've seen from him in a long time. And it's just frustrating because Luis Robert is supposed to be the savior of this White Sox team. And it seems like Cedric Mullins was the savior of that Baltimore team, something that they could hang their hat on. And right now, Cedric Mullins, 13th rounder in 2015, has six home runs and a two-war and is making stupid plays this entire series out in center field. And Luis Robert... Not playing 100%, to be fair to him, but just looking truly lost up at the plate. This is Jordan Lyles. Yeah. I mean, what what is happening? What What is this? I, I, what, why can't we help Luis Robert here? There is no growth at the plate from him. Can we just say, hey, Luis, and let, you can't swing unless you get two strikes. Help him out. Like, it makes no sense to me. And his just uh, decisions at the plate on when to swing are so painful to watch, probably painful like it is to listen to my voice. Um, It's just (laughs) brutal to see Cedric Mullins play so well, has a two-war baseball reference war right now. Robert's at a a one-and-a-half. It makes no sense how these two guys are are showing just such different skills. I mean, Luis Robert should have every edge over Cedric Mullins, and I think the one edge that he doesn't is coaching help, is organization help. And Jesus Chosworth brings up a good point about the Orioles. The Orioles lost their best pitcher in John Means. Uh, right. The record would be better if yeah. they had that. I mean, John Means would get crushed by the White Sox, apparently, because <laughs> that's a guy that they've known. I haven't heard of most of these guys except for Jordan Lyles, and he was trash today. The pitches he threw up, threw up there just, just 
hit me pitches. Yeah. He wasn't spectacular today. But like you were saying, you said right here when we sat down before the cameras start rolling, you're like, Cedric Mullins is a better player than Luis Robert right now. And I bristled. Yeah. I was like, what? Come on now. I was yeah. like, maybe in the field, yeah, but not in play. And he's like, no, he's better. And I looked, and you looked at the numbers. I was like, ooh, that's a tough pill to swallow. And I know they won today, and I know some of you out there are like, hey, finally we win. Why are you guys so negative? We're about the process over the results. They won one game versus the fucking Baltimore Orioles. Who cares? Right. Good to get the 34th win of the year. Good to win over being losing. But I especially hold Luis Robert like 100%. Like he is the guy that I say he can reach heights that people haven't seen in this game. He can reach heights that are better than any White Sox pit player ever. And he's falling short right now. He's still a good player, but that's not good for him. That's not good enough for him. He is a phenomenal player, and he, he needs to go to the next level. He has been the same player. He hasn't even progressed to the next right. level from where he was doing last year. He's just, if not worse this year. Like, I hold him to a high standard because he can be a generational talent, but he's not. Well, and this is process over results, yeah. right? We love seeing the great results from Luis Robert. He gets great results because he's a great player. Yeah. Cedric Mullins is a great baseball player. He has a great at-bat every single time he's up there. Luis Robert doesn't have that. He's a great talent that, hey, when it works out, it works out. He'll hit a 114-mile-per-hour ball 450 feet. Like, yes, he can do that. Cedric Mullins can't. But Cedric Mullins has a great at-bat every single time he's up, and that's the difference right there. You have a great player versus a great talent, and, and that's what I see between Mullins and Robert. All right, let's talk about some positive here because it wasn't all bad for the White Sox. This was a fun game and a quick game to watch because of Dylan Cease. Let's talk about Cease. Let's look at the pitch mix and see what he was throwing today because, hey, we said last game this might have been the best – game of his career he had one of the best games of his career early in may against the angels mm -hmm. and here he is seven innings setting a career high with 13 strikeouts what'd you make of dylan cease today he was this like i thought it was last one was his best start no this was his best start mainly because of the strikeouts but also if you're looking at the screen right now one walk he got yep. to a couple three uh, counts he battled back and got those guys to strike out, and then one of them he didn't wasn't so lucky, but he was pinpoint today. Fastball ninety nine hundred miles per hour, and a couple, and that was the ball that got hit hard. Those four mm -hmm. hits, those are those are fastballs, and then one off of the slider, but the slider otherwise, except for the Arusa hit, was mm, otherworldly. You saw that Trey Mancini, major league baseball player, he's the second batter in the game. This is a ball that hit fifty feet from where Dylan sees through it. 60 feet, six inches, the plate from the mound. He threw it 50 feet before the plate. Trey Mancini swung at that pitch because the movement was so filthy. Mm -hmm. And Trey Mancini is struggling, but still, that's a Major League Baseball player batting second in a lineup, and he looked outmatched. Same thing with Santander, same thing with Mullins in that first inning. No one was touching him. They were looking at those pitches like, I think uh, it was uh, Adley Rushman in the second yeah. inning where Dylan paints the bottom of the strike zone with a 99-mile-per-hour fastball. He probably turned to the umpires like, dude, I cannot hit that. That's low in 99. You can't give him that. It was that. D Dylan was on his game today. Very few, and the thing that he gets into trouble with is the non-competitive sliders that are in the left-handed batter's box to a right-hander. Scared to throw a, a, a left-hander a slider, so he throws the ball way out of the zone. Very few pitches like that today. He was pinpoint. He was awesome today. He was incredible. I mean, truly. I mean, this is back-to-back -back phenomenal starts for him. He did give up an earned run. Let's go back, look, and we'll go through the pitching line just for the people that missed it. Seven innings, one earned run off the Arauz home run. Uh, and it was a hanging slider left over the middle of the plate. Four hits, one walk, like Herb said. He came in leading the league in walks, so one walk is fantastic. A career-high 13 case for Cease. Jordan Lyles, the other pitcher, seven innings, four on runs, six hits allowed, one walk. That was to Jose Abreu and four Ks. Let's go back to the pitch mix, though, for Dylan Cease. We got to talk about this slider. I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think we were seeing uh, you know, kind of the reactions from the Blue Jays hitters, too, yeah. uh, on Tuesday. It was just like, 
what the fuck is this guy throwing? Yeah, just they, just mystifying guys. You could see, yeah, the Blue Jays guys would strike out and then immediately look at the jumble board at guaranteed rate and like, what the fuck was that? You right. saw George Springer look at it. You saw all the guys. And I'm sure Orioles would be like, man, woof, nope. We're good. We're real good. When he left the game, they're like, yeah, thank you. Bye. Bring, bring somebody else in here. Bring, bring Kendall Gray. Bring Joe Kelly in here because that is untouchable. When he's like this, how can people, how can people hit him? Right. It's there's no hitting it because that slider looks like a looks like a strike all the way through and then it just drops off. It both has a horizontal and vertical uh, tilt on it. He's he's doing his job this year. And then even the curveball, he snapped over a couple knuckle curveballs that hit the dirt and people were like, "Ump, yeah, <laughs> this ain't fair." Can you please just tell him to throw the fastball? I can hit that 100-mile-per-hour fastball, as you saw Adley Rushman uh, immediately went up, and that was a bad uh, game plan for the Baltimore Orioles. Dylan Cease is at 94 pitches starting the seventh inning, so you know it's probably going to be his last inning, and they got somebody warming up in Joe Kelly. First batter, swings at the first pitch, out. Second batter, swings at the first pitch, a a double. Third batter, swings at the first pitch, out. And then the fourth batter goes, I think, four pitches. Four, four pitches, a total of seven pitches in that inning where he's already pitched 94. Didn't even battle him. Didn't even mm-hmm. want to get deep in the count because they were scared that that slider was going to come with two strikes. And they know they couldn't hit it all day. He's like, okay, I don't want him to, to get to the White Sox record of 16 uh, single-game right. strikeouts because if they would have let him get deep in that count, he would have got to that record in the seventh inning. Well, let's look at the uh, Chris Kampka stat that we have. This was uh, for multi or 10 plus K games in franchise history. Chris Sale obviously leads the White Sox in 10 plus K outings uh, with 35. Dylan Cease is now fourth, tied for fourth with Javi Vasquez, the Vasquez belt. Um, He's tied with Javi Vasquez for most with 13. Teen, uh, 10K plus outings. Uh, Lucas Gilito's at 14. Juan Pizarro's at 15. Ed Walsh, 17. Chris Sale's at 35. So a long way to catch Chris Sale. But this was Dylan Cease first uh, start with an earned run um, since May 24th. He went May 29th, seven innings, no earned runs. Uh, against Tampa, four and two thirds, no earned runs. Against the Dodgers, four and two innings, no earned runs. Against Detroit, five innings, no earned runs. Toronto, six innings, no earned runs. Baltimore, seven innings, one earned run. But honestly, this was incredible. And we talked about the slider. Let's look at the slider over the past two games. This is what turns Dylan Cease into an ace. This is what makes him the best pitcher right now on the White Sox staff. And I think he's better than Michael Kopech, better than Lance Lynn, wow. clearly better than Giolito, better than uh, Johnny, Johnny Cueto. Cueto. And let's look at this, the numbers on just his slider. 95 sliders in the uh, Orioles game and Toronto uh, Blue Jays game, past two games for uh, Dylan Cease. 95 sliders thrown. He's gotten 56 swings on those sliders, 34 whiffs. When hitters swing at Dylan Cease's slider over the past two games, they have missed 60% of the time. We love called strikes plus whiff. He's gotten 47 called strikes plus whiffs. Those are 47 strikes on 95 sliders. That is a 49% strike rate. And that just makes everything else better. This slider is so elite at this moment that Everything else is so unhittable because he has this one pitch. And the major league average is what for called oh. for called strikes and whiffs? Uh, twenty seven percent, and that's that's on all that's pitches. On all pitches. That's on all pitches. <laughs> that is just dumb. That's I mean, and we just said it. The AL East. Some most think that the AL East is the most dominant division, well, and he just went through two of the teams. And you can say whatever you want about Baltimore. That is a talented team, and he made them look silly today. And Toronto's lineup is stacked from up up and down, and he made them look silly the last time he pitched versus them. Average whiff rate in MLB, 23.2. 23.2. He's 40% better on one pitch. It's insane. I mean, that's that's how you rack up 24 strikeouts in, in two games. And at this point... He's clearly a game one starter. He's clearly an all-star. There's no debate about this. Dylan Cease, maybe not the best pitcher in Major League Baseball, but he's now definitely, I think, top three in strikeouts in Major League Baseball. And this is the guy that you've been waiting for. And if Michael Kopech's pitching like this, Dylan Cease is pitching like this. Lance Lynn looked decent uh, in, in his outing. I know he got ran into some some you know interesting stuff in the seventh inning there, but you know f- for the most part in, in that game he looked good. Johnny Cueto's looked great, so. 
the White Sox have four good starters right now, and we know that there's a decent pitcher in Lucas Giolito somewhere. So you're saying he's an all-star. Then you're saying Kopech is probably an all-star. Yeah, you'd hope. You'd enough, hope. Enough in, he don't have enough innings? What's, what's the problem? I think he wouldn't have enough innings. Okay. I, I think that's probably where he's at. Or but, just I mean, the White Sox nice are starts. a third-place team. You can't be sending two of their starting pitchers yeah. to the all-star game because you know that Tim Anderson's going to be at shortstop, not starting, but he'll be there at shortstop as an all-star, well, right? Two, the Sox only had Lance Lynn at the all-star game last year, and Dylan Cease was pretty good, and he wasn't great uh, last year through the first start. And But, I mean, Giolito was okay. I mean, I, I could see it. I, I could see it. So you just Kopech gotta, and Cease. So that's probably Dusty's choice, right, for the pitchers to make it to. I don't remember. It's, Dusty would be the uh, American League uh, okay. manager, so I think he and some of the uh, players – get to choose who get are the reserves, especially the pitchers. So, yeah, if I'm pitching, picking one over the other, especially it's how, what have you done for me lately, and Michael Kopech hasn't been bad. No. Dylan Cease has been dominant. So, yes, if I go one over the other and they need to have a choice, Dylan Cease would be my all-star representative from the starting staff. Timmy's already going. You're not going to get Liam now because he's hurt and he had early struggles. And so maybe Andrew Vaughn. So you have maybe potentially four all-stars for the White Sox going out to La La Land. That's good to see. 34 and 37 still piss poor. Yeah, I, I don't know about Vaughn. I'd hope. I'd hope. Huh? But I think Tim will probably get there. I think Cease will probably get there. And, and fingers crossed those two um, at, at least get there. But, you know, we're not sure. And, yeah, Cease, uh, McClanahan was pitching. Shane McClanahan who currently leads uh, strikeouts in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, he's now... Dylan Cease is now two behind Shane McClanahan. McClanahan pitched today. Uh, so they're about neck and neck right here. So, I mean, Dylan Cease definitely is putting himself in line for an all-star starter. And I'm excited to talk to Vinny Duber about what this slider is like and what Dylan's confidence is like. Because we saw that after the third or the first inning, after he got Mancini uh, on that horrible, horrible slider that bounced in front of the plate, yeah. after he got Santander on that inside slider, he's walking off the plate like strutting. I mean, I, I mean, he he's really has this swagger to himself. And you could see it after the sixth inning. Mm -hmm. He's walking off the mound. He's getting a standing ovation. And he walks and right before he goes down to the dugout, He's like, come on, what the hell? Let's go. Let's go. Get it up. He starts waving to the crowd to pump it up. So Dylan was feeling himself tonight. And, and I mean, when he's pitching with confidence, the walks aren't going to be there. Mm -mm. The strikeouts are going to be there. I have all the faith that the White Sox can win games when he's on the bump. They should have won the last Toronto game oh easily, Jesus. and it goes into extra innings. And the White Sox almost blow it again. And we're just in this horrible, horrible cycle. But, you know, we saw last year part of the reason's the White Sox had so much success was because of starting pitching. <laughs> if Dylan Cease is this good, yeah, uh, I do sound terrible. But if Dylan Cease is this good, uh, hopefully that can uh, can fix uh, the rest of the White Sox and problems. By the way, Shane Rue McClanahan, seven innings pitch, four hits, one earned, ten strikeouts. I don't even know who Rue McClanahan is. She's the Golden Girl. Oh, the go oh right. The She's currently girls. not with us. Oh, RIP. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, 1934. I mean, she, she'd be closing in on 100. That'd be a long life. Uh, shout out to her. All right. Best way to support CHGO <laughs> is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, all for making... Oh, a free CHGO membership and a free T-shirt from CHGO Locker. Let me read that again. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching. Is your favorite team primed for a comeback like the Baltimore Orioles earlier today? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs with PointsBet. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Download the PointsBet app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll enjoy $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from CHGO Locker. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet the points bet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1s when I started this job about three months ago, and I have continued to use it 
each and every day. I wake up and I make sure that I start my body off the right way with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. It doesn't have a super healthy taste. It, it tastes kind of mild, kind of tropical. You add it to water and really it's an easy way to get all of those important things to help your body feel right, to give you that energy to go through the day, to watch grueling, grueling White Sox games. This is the stuff that helps me fuel my day right. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten. Athletic Greens has over 7,002 five-star reviews from Herb and I ourselves. Herb likes to put it in smoothies. Mm -hmm. I like to put it in my water. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water each and every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash chgosox to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Again, athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks to get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Thank you to Athletic Greens for your support. Yes, thank you, Athletic Greens. And hey... Look at that. Dan from the 219. He was there. He said Dylan was pinpoint in his bullpen earlier in our pregame. Damn right, Dan. And Lenin Sosa with his first hit. Let's start with the offense there. The offense wasn't great, but nope. Lenin Sosa gets his first major league hit. It's a double. And Tim Anderson hit a sack fly, moved him to third. Andrew Vaughn hit a sack fly, drove him home. So good situational hitting from there. Gavin Sheets with a, a great job taking advantage of a mistake, hitting a, a, a homer into the uh, right field bleachers. Um, you know, it wasn't great, but the White Sox got it done offensively. And my guy I picked for uh, click the pick, Josh, Josh Harrison, Harrison yeah, two for go. three today. A guy who did has done well as of late. You know, got hit the other day on the right arm. I thought he was going to be out for an extended period of time. See him back out there. Left field, barely got any balls hit out to him to left field today. So he did well in left field for the most part. And then with the bat, he was good. But yeah, Lenin Sosa to see that and hustling out of the box. Letting that ball travel deep. Getting it inside out swing to right field. And then saying, okay, I know Austin Hayes has a cannon. But I'm going to test him. I'm going to hustle out of the box and get to the second base. And that's what caused that to happen, caused the run to happen. Because as Sean said, you get two quality productive outs right there, back-to-back -back from Timmy and Andrew Vaughn. And Andrew Vaughn, man, just tough luck today. He hit the ball hard all day long, mm -hmm. over three, got that sack fries fly right there, one RBI. But don't tell me that Andrew Vaughn is not the best hitter on this team. Still hitting 316, even though he struggled the last couple of games and the last couple of days was the Baltimore Orioles. And the White Sox finally hit their first home run since the home run right. by Andrew Vaughn in the fourth inning of the Toronto series, the first game of the Toronto series. And we got a hanging slider, and he did not miss it. Well, Slowed the bat down, had the crooked SOX on his helmet, <laughs> and he absolutely murdered that to the uh, Goose Island RIP uh, section. Now it's called the Miller Light Landing, I believe. Delicious. So I got some Miller Light right here. Salute. And Gavin Sheets, if that is what he's going to do every time he gets a, a chance to play. Oh, look at my guy. Cheers, Miller Light brother. guy. Um, every time he gets a chance to play and he's going to be productive, doesn't need to hit the ball off the cover. But if you get a hanger like that, you need to do things like that against Jordan Lyles. I wish more of the players on the team would have did that versus Jordan Lyles, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We've got to take the eight hits and the four runs as we can because this team had scored only three runs in the series before this. And, two, you mentioned Andrew Vaughn. Uh, you know, batting average has gone down. Uh, three hard hits, though, led the team today, so that's good to see. And my biggest concern, we know that Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, and Andrew Vaughn aren't playing at 100%. Correct. Right now, we saw last year Andrew Vaughn, when he was injured, that power got zapped. Mm -hmm. Please, please play Josh Harrison in left field. Play Gavin Sheets in right field. Play A.J. Pollock in left field. Play Leary in right and left field. Yeah. Do not <laughs> put Andrew Vaughn in the outfield for the rest of the year. Ever. Put him in at first base, put him at DH, and that is it. The White Sox cannot mess around with Andrew Vaughn, and if they lose him, they're done. Period. If they lose Luis Robert, they're done. If they lose Jose Abreu, they're done. If they lose Tim Anderson, 
they're done. All right. You're, you're you need like to protect these guys. And Andrew clearly is not a capable outfielder and will hurt himself again. Can't you're, be doing it. You're kind of going into Horoscope. Scott Farrell. Farrell. <laughs> hey, welcome just, in to CBS Sports Radio. I'm just listening, not watching. Farrell on the bench. <laughs> I'm I'm sure somebody's listening to the podcast right now. I was like, Herb's got uh, Scott Farrell, man. Got a lot of pool. I would not do that I to you guys. I thought guest week was uh, after the first week of CHGO White Sox. I not do that to you guys. Here's Scott Farrell on the White Sox. I can't do that right now because every time I do that, I start choking. And yes, Wayne, this Miller Lite does taste delicious. It's great taste, and it's less filling, too. Crack one open. Pour it. Come on. Sit down <laughs> next <laughs> hours. Farrell on the bench. Call in. Oh, if you guys don't know who that is, CBS Sports Radio. who the guy is, pause the, the podcast right now, go and listen to Pharrell, and then listen to what Sean says the rest of the show. You'll say, oh, my God, he sounds exactly like him. Yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh, and, uh, you know, you ever hear this story? 2017, this lady on the Roberto Clemente Bridge about to jump off it, and here he comes. Uh, John Tampane. John Tampane, umpire, MLB umpire, stops her from committing suicide. That's what Pittsburgh does to people, you know? <laughs> really a helping city, really great city. Lending a helping hand. Get Real out of the hard bench. Hard worker. <laughs> <laughs> right on the bench. Crack one open. All right. Um, we're just stalling because, honestly, I thought Vinny would be joining us at this point. Not Vinny's late. It's so not, there's there's no. probably some good stuff oh, going on. Oh, there's probably some great stuff. People happening. are having a good time. But usually on a day like this, they're trying to get everybody out, especially because right. they got to go to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long flight. It's going to be an enjoyable, enjoyable flight because even though they lost three or four, they won the last one. So when they fly out to Anaheim, they're going to crack a couple. They're going to enjoy LA for the night tonight and then come back and play like champions tomorrow versus Noah Syndergaard. They better do it because this is a pivotal series for the White Sox. They cannot go out there and get housed by these two teams and the Anaheim Angels and the San Francisco Giants. Minimum three wins out of the six games they play. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a bit of a scrum in that Angels oh, game today. Yeah. So there could be some suspensions handed out because there were punches thrown. It, it looks like J.P. Crawford of the Mariners would definitely be suspended. Yeah. That guy was throwing punches. Uh, Rendon might be uh, but he, but he has uh, suspended a, as well. He's hurt already. But he's hurt already. So year. not sure what they're going to do. Also, uh, Iglesias, their uh, closer, threw sunflower seeds all over the, the uh, field. So please, he might get suspended as please. well. Please. I don't want to see Rossell Iglesias. I'm good. I'm yeah. real good. So and, Phil Nevin, Ryan Tapera, and uh, Russell Iglesias all ejected in that game. There you go. From the oh, Angels side. Yes, right. please. I don't want to see my guy. Ryan Tombuda pitch for us the White Sox again. And also, good idea too. Uh, Wayne just asked, are you guys covering these late games? If you didn't see it, we have a uh, social media graphic where we're going to try to start posting our schedules before the week. There won't be a pregame tomorrow, but there will be a pregame on Wednesday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Those will be starting around 8 o'clock, and then there will be a live postgame show Monday Tuesday, Wednesday. So just no pregame, but everything else should be normal. And they will be late night. So uh, come and join us. Stay up. Uh, you know, have, have some good fun with uh, Herb and Vinny and I. I'm kind of happy they did a 838 game instead of the traditional 910 game. So it's a little bit early. And if if we get what we got today, I think it was like a two-hour and 40-minute game because Dylan Cease was out there mm-hmm. cooking. Give me some of those. I yeah. don't want to be here until 2 o'clock. <laughs> Not no. at all. And, hey, I mean, Lucas Giolito will be opening up the series. He's one of the slowest workers in Major League Baseball. So, there you go, Herb. That's your gift. You're going to get the slowest worker in the late night game. And our guy, Dan Payton, he's in California, drove 450 miles to L.A. for Monday's game and Tuesday's. Go Sox. Go and bring us some victories, Dan, and show us uh, some pictures. Send it into the CHGO underscore White Sox of you being at the game with the after the victory's done and wave your White Sox flag. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back to the hitting here and, and talk about a little bit of this stuff. Uh, so we got Jake Berger. He went 0 for 4 uh, today. I know someone was asking what's wrong with him. It's kind of just the struggles of Jake Berger. Jake Berger should just be hitting lefties only, really. I mean, he's not a great right-handed hitter. So even an average, below-average guy like Jordan Lyles can get Jake Berger to have some ugly swings. He's really not comfortable hitting the op- or the same handedness. So I, I think that's part of the things that you're seeing with Jake Berger and his struggles. But part of the reason he's out there so much is because the White Sox are so banged up. So I don't know if you want to get into this discussion now before uh, uh, Vinny jumps on, but uh, we talked about this on the pregame. Tim Anderson, not 100%. Yep. Andrew Vaughn, not 100%. Robert, not 100%. 
Brayu not 100%. We see Sheets kind of coming alive since he got called up from AAA. Jake Berger's been iffy with the glove, and Jake Berger just has had some struggles against right-handed pitching this year. Sebi Zavala has looked pretty decent uh, at the plate. Uh, he drove in a run. That was the Jose Abreu one where he drove in for second. And Lenin Sosa might not even be up here for too long. But Leary Garcia has looked really damn bad. Adam Engel is hurt. Yep. Danny Mendick's hurt. Yep. Adam Hazley is on the roster, but he was sick today, and that's why Josh Harrison played left field like – there is not a lot of depth on this team. So even if Jake Berger stinks against right-handed pitcher, there's no help coming. Or maybe not until Moncada comes back. I mean, and Jesus says Moncada, as you talked about in the pregame, expected back this week. He says Tuesday. So you can maybe, and I was going to think about this, <laughs> and it's a really tough thing to say because I love Yoan Moncada. Is it a time for doing a, a straight platoon with Yoan Moncada only hitting left-handed versus the right-handed pitchers, and then you get Jake Berger only pitching or only starting when you have a left-hander on the bump so you can have a little better third-base production as far as the hitting, and then, of course, Yoan Moncada is uh, far superior with the glove than Jake Berger. But, yeah, the, this team is just hurt and I don't know when they're going to get a respite I think the next time they get a break is the all-star break and that is a decent amount of way so I don't know what they need to do and I see them resting Tim every every once in a while two times this past week after he came back on Monday I think they were going to do the same thing with Yohan Mankata when he comes back mm -hmm. I think you know uh Adam Ingles out for extended period of time. So you're going to see Larry Garcia playing the outfield, unfortunately. You're going to see Josh Harrison getting a couple spot starts out in the outfield. And I hope that Lenny Sosa, and they said it was probably going to be temporary. So when right. Moncada comes back, that probably spells the end of Lennon Sosa's first stint in the major leagues. But I'm very impressed. And he didn't do a lot with the bat. But he played a solid second base, and I can see it. I can see what he's going to be in the future. He's going to be a solid contributor in the major league in major league baseball, and I wouldn't be too far opposed to him playing more than what Josh Harrison is, even though he's been doing well. I, I, I know, Leary, I know, I know. There's Leary a, sucks. Yeah, there's a there's a, a ceiling to, to Josh Harrison. I don't know what the ceiling is for Lenny Sosa. I would love to see it, and. You might say you don't do that and have a rookie be on your team when you're in a championship contention, but what really is Josh Harrison doing? He's hitting a little bit better. He's hitting a decent amount now, but it's a limiting factor. He's only going to get you so many home runs. I see Lenny Sosa at least providing some pop. He's got 14 home runs in double-A so far this year, and I hope he comes back when they do expand the rosters. It's funny you bring up Mankata and Berger kind of having that platoon because Mankata last year, I'm just going to use last year because he's kind of had a small sample size and been injured this year. Last year and just throughout his career, he is so much better left-handed mm -hmm. than he is right-handed. Yeah. Last year, and this was a, a write-up on Fangraphs during the offseason, if you want to look it up, they're kind of looking at the Cedric Mullins thing, like which players would just be better at getting rid of the switch hitting aspect of him and just hitting on one side. Tucker Barnhart, who's now on the Tigers, did this as well. He's now back to switch hitting, but Yamakata last year as a right hand or as a left-handed batter versus right-handed pitching, batted 268, 385, 431 with an OPS of 817. That is one uh, a 117 points above what he is at a right-handed position uh, uh, right versus as a right-handed batter. Uh, so as a left-handed batter, he's got an 817 OPS. As a right-handed batter, he's got a 700 OPS. And Berger this year versus left-handed pitching, he's got an OPS of 1,000. So, you know, I mean, you're, you're really looking at, I mean, you can have 1,000 uh, when you're facing left-handed pitchers and you can have like around 800 when you're facing right-handed batters. So, or right-handed pitching. So. And it's tough to say because I love Yoan, but... We got to, we got to win, and feelings got to be put to the side and say this is what you have earned so far, Yoan. We can't depend on you to be playing firstly, and then when you do play, you haven't been great. So yeah, we're gonna do a platoon. I don't know if they're gonna do it. They're probably just gonna throw Yoan out there for the majority of the games, and right. I wouldn't blame them. 
But you got to start looking at that as it's more of a practical uh, and probably help your team a little bit better. You need to win every single game at this point. So whatever you can do on a game-to-game basis to win, uh, that's what's most important because this team uh, still has a negative 50 run differential. And I bet Vinny Duber is very, very excited to talk about the negative 51 run differential for the White Sox. The 16-21 and White Sox uh, home record. They're 34-37 and on the year and five and a half games back in the AL Central. We welcome in Vinny Duber from... From guaranteed rate field he's the chgo white Sox beat writer you can follow him on twitter at Vinny duber hi Vinny. hey guys what's going on oh nothing much just a normal normal sunday for us a tense one as well uh how is the clubhouse and who'd you talk to well they're happy they want right i mean come True. on first time in a while first time in a while so uh i mean even before the game tony larusso was talking this up as an important one to win just to to head out on the road trip you know, without a bad taste in their mouths, and, mm-hmm. and that's what they got, which is good. So uh, good for them. So uh, you know, you had guys talking afterward that you know the the immediate importance of that is that guys are feeling good, and and, and it's uh, time for a happy flight over to Anaheim. Well, Dylan Cease must be feeling good. I'm assuming you talked to your mustachio man. Uh, what did Dylan say? Because this seemed to be the most swagger he's ever had on the mound as a White Sox pitcher. He looks so comfortable right now. Yeah, he said it was the first time he's ever pumped up a crowd before. Yeah, too. it looked I, like I, it. I'm like, I'm like, man, what, what got into you? What, uh, what came over you that you had to do that? Because usually, kind of a uh, cool customer uh, when he's out on the field there. Uh, so that was kind of funny to see from him. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, he he's a guy who knows when he's on. You know, he's a guy who um, knows what he's capable of doing, knows what he's capable of being, and when he uh, when it's all working for him, he he. He recognizes that. And, uh, you know, we've seen it an awful lot this year from him and in the last couple of years from him. He needed to play the stopper today, and that's exactly what he did. And he said, you know, that's the kind of pitcher that he wants to be. He wants to be that guy who they can call on in, in the biggest of moments. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't think that a late June game against the Orioles was one of the biggest of moments. But the way the last four days went here on the south side, they really needed uh, someone to, uh, to stop the bleeding. And that's exactly what Dylan Cease did today in spectacular fashion. And I know for pitchers, when they get their first victory, they get like this beer shower and it's all celebratory in the clubhouse. What about for first hits? Do they do the same thing? Lenning Sosa get his first hit today. It was a double. Do they give him like a celebratory beer shower in the clubhouse? what it sounded like tony made reference mm-hmm. to it that he was when he was talking to us he was missing the shower so uh that mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't surprise me if uh if lenny and sosa got uh, a few beverages uh you know ingested one way or another but uh <laughs> but yeah he had his first hit uh commemorated in a box already uh in his locker he says he's gonna put it in his house so uh you know nice day for him and uh he's provided a little bit of a spark here no doubt uh, at, at least showing that he's capable of contributing uh at this level in the first few days as a big leaguer Absolutely. I think it's really fitting too. Uh, your one of your most recent articles talking about how, Oh yeah. Hold on a second. Vinny, Vinny, I don't know if you know that Sean lost his voice, so I don't want to you know, throw you off too tough. You know, I didn't know if it was, you know, uh, something that maybe I shouldn't be poking fun at, you know, maybe you can't <laughs> control it. You got a little, little bit of a cold or something like that. Or if you were, you know, all up all night screaming karaoke or something and I could make fun of you. Uh, so I was waiting for, for kind of a, uh, uh, an explanation before I started commenting with, uh, some sarcastic remarks. It's, uh, Wayne wants me to lay off the karaoke nights and, you know, I really do a good, uh, and when my voice is back in action, I do a good video killed the radio star. I can do both parts, the man and the woman the so, buggles is your go-to karaoke song really? yeah yeah of course huh. i know every word um <laughs> isn't it yours <laughs> well i mean it's a song that i'm familiar with it's not my go-to karaoke song though no mm. yeah it's a great song i don't know i could do both parts uh it just you know doing the high parts really screwed me up uh but <laughs> what i'd like to talk to you is a little bit about the injuries uh we see the top four guys or the comment recently from tony uh, about how the top four guys in the lineup today tim Andrew, Luis, and Jose aren't at 100% right now. And along that, with A.J. Pollock, too. Along with A.J. Pollock, um, who got in as a defensive replacement today. Um, what is the update on that? And maybe could you give, like, the, the, the full context behind that? Because I know it's not, you know, they're not 100%, but it's like, you know, they don't want to give 100% on certain easy plays, I think was the quote. Yeah, the way it was explained, and, and, and I wasn't here over the, you know, the last two days, right, but, I, right. but I read the coverage and what it sounded like when Tony gave the explanation was that, yeah, those five guys who are typic- have typically been the top five hitters in the lineup, uh, it's, it's part of their, their training program right now. It's part of the, the you know, trainer's orders, uh, and, and this, is a, uh, this is not just a want to rest them to keep them fresh kind of thing. This is a 
they got to take it easier. They're going to, you know, put themselves in danger of hurting hurting themselves uh, a little bit more. So you definitely don't want to see that if you're the White Sox when you got so many guys dealing with that. And certainly last week it was noticeable, right? I mean, you'd, you'd watch these guys run to first base or try to run to second base, and you'd see it. I mean, Andrew Vaughn was not moving very well last week. Jose Abreu certainly was not moving very well last week. And then you'll remember the play where uh, Luis Robert hit that line drive that got by the left fielder, stopped at first base. Uh, and it mm-hmm. was because – you know, he, he wasn't feeling so good running the bases. So uh, Tim Anderson as well was out of the lineup yesterday due to, to soreness in that area that he's trying to recover from. Uh, it was a groin uh, injury, you'll remember, that not put him on the IL. So, um, you know, in addition to all these guys on the injured list right now who are you know, very literally not able to play. Uh, You got a bunch of kind of walking wounded guys who are gutting it out right now uh, because, you know, you can't have your entire lineup on the injured list at once. And, uh, you know, the White Sox uh, have have a very significant uh, injury situation right now, and that extends to guys who are still in the lineup every day. And a guy I want to point out that uh, has impressed me with his time up in the major leagues this year is Sippy Zavala. One for three today. Looking good, hitting the ball really hard, but more importantly, I know people can say Dylan Cease was pitching the ball so well, there could have been anybody back there, but there wasn't. It was Sevi Zavala understanding where Dylan was doing with a slider and how filthy it was and putting the put it down. It's like, hey, throw that again. They can't hit it. What did uh, Dylan and, and or Tony have to say about Sebi's work back there? And what have you seen this year from Sevi to make him look like a very impressive and a nice backup catching option? Yeah, well, I'll say this, you know, you talk to these guys in in spring training and, you know, they always say you're going to need more than 26 guys to to get through a season, you know, whether whether that season ends in winning a World Series or whether it just ends in making it through 162 games, you need to go well past, uh, you know, the guys at the top one or two spots on the depth chart when when the season starts in order to just feel the team and continue to compete and continue to win games as the season goes along. The White Sox are finding that out the hard way or, 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 you know, that's maybe an expected, uh, you know, case, but they're finding it out the hard way. And yes, Monty Grandal's on on the injured list right now. They needed another catcher just to have two catchers on the roster. They were fortunate enough to have the depth in the minor leagues, and you're seeing a, a bit of that depth shine, uh, whether that's uh, Lenin Sosa today or the last couple of days, Jake Berger over the last couple of months, or a guy like Danny Mendick, who unfortunately now is out for the year, doing his job when he was filling in for Tim Anderson. Uh, what have we kept saying? The difference between last year and this year so far has been not the injuries, because those have been the same in a way, but the fact that they weren't winning during the injuries. Uh, They haven't been winning during the injuries. Last year, they got performances from the guys who filled in for the injured players. They're only just starting to get that now. If they continue to do that right now, then they're going to have a much better chance at winning the division or making the playoffs than they did a few weeks back when they were not getting those kinds of performances. So uh, it's very positive to see whether it's Sebi Zavala, whether it's Lenin Sosa, whether it's Jake Berger, these guys who were not really expected to be part of the major league roster on opening day. Obviously, uh, you know, Jake Berger was because of a previous injury to Johan Moncada, but those guys are the guys that need to step up if the White Sox are going to keep winning while their guys are still hurt. I thought you had a great article recently. It was after Giolito's bad start on Wednesday, and he said he looked terrible, but your whole point was about the injuries and going with, you know, after Mendick's season-ending injury, that was when Engel hit the IL as well. Um, I thought it was a good point because that's what can derail the White Sox season. And, you know, if Andrew Vaughn, this not being 100% thing, turns into something worse, or Tim Anderson or Jose Abreu or Luis Robert, I think that's truly the nail in the coffin here. I don't know what you think, but... How bad or at what point with these injuries is it too much to overcome in your mind? Are you getting to that point yet? Are you still, hey, it's June, you know, late June, but it's still late June. You're only five and a half games back. Is there a certain point of no return with these injuries? Uh, do you think that they're, they're kind of encroaching upon? Well, the point of no return is the math, right? And, and you know, the, 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 team can, the team can play better while guys are hurt. The, you know, the guys being hurt does not preclude them from playing well. Um, but obviously it makes it a lot harder to play at a championship level when you are down so many of the guys you were counting on to, to help drive you to a championship. Um, remember that those are still the White Sox expectations, and uh, they looked far from them this weekend. Obviously today, you know, it, they won, and they're happy with that, and, and it could be the start of something good for them as they go on the road to California. But 
don't let you know everybody talking about how great Dylan Cease was and, and the fact that they came away with a W overshadow the fact that the last three days they looked really bad against a team that they're supposed to be much better than. Now, the Orioles are not as bad as everybody thought the Orioles were going to be, but the White Sox want to win the World Series. They should be a lot better than the Orioles. Uh, we didn't see that this weekend, and, and that's the thing that's alarming, whether that's you know whether they had Moncada and Grandal and Aloy all in there. If they're still doing the same thing they did this weekend, you're still talking about a team that's not going to reach its championship goals. So, yeah, the injuries are, are just in my opinion, they're ridiculous. They're out of control how many they got. Is that unique to this White Sox team? No. But what is unique to this White Sox team is, A, the expectations they set for themselves, and B, the hole that they've dug themselves in over the first three months of the season. They have to not only you know, keep winning, as a lot of other teams that have injuries but are still playing well uh, uh, you know, have to do. They have to dig themselves out of this hole, and they have to catch not, not one now but two teams in front of them in the division who are playing pretty well right now. So it's an uphill battle, and you would like to think that Yohan Moncada coming back and Eloy Jimenez coming back and Yasmani Grandal coming back would assist in that. But go ahead and look at those guys' batting averages so far this season, and they're combined under 200. So, you know, not, it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with each other. Getting healthy it would be a big, big deal. But healthy or not, they got to play better. That's the bottom line. What we saw in the ninth inning was kind of troubling from Jose Abreu. Well, troubling to me and probably you, but Sean probably loved it because he's a, he's a Jose Abreu hater. Um, <laughs> but it was a voice to defend myself. <laughs> It was uncharacteristic for him to make two consecutive errors. Did they speak about what happened there? I mean, he's not a guy that has lack of focus, but to me, those two plays look like a lack of focus from a leader of the White Sox and Jose Abreu. I mean, mistakes happen, uh, and, and I think that's what – when it's Jose Abreu, that's what you can chalk it up to. I mean, there are – People on this team, there are players on this team that are consistently troublesome on the defensive side of the ball. Jose Abreu, in my opinion, is not one of them. And and you're allowed to make a mistake. You're a human being. You know what I mean? So um, those were ill-timed mistakes, and it could have cost them the game, no doubt about it. But uh, as Dylan C. said afterwards, you know, Jose picks him up far more than he doesn't. So, um, you know, and he was he was aboard for the home run earlier today. I think he had two runs scored today, if if, if memory serves. So um, he was very much part of the as much part of the win as he was almost being part um, of a blown lead there in the ninth inning. Uh, I, I don't look at that uh, as as you know a sign of anything big or major. It's just not good and not good at the wrong time of the game. So uh, Kendall Graveman, fortunately for the White Sox, was able to pitch around him. And, uh, you know, it, it led to two runs and it made it very, very close and closer than it should have been. Absolutely. You know, that's part of the whole you got to play better. Uh, you know, that, that goes on the team's error count, which obviously, as we know, is pretty high. But, um, you know, that the, when, when you're not clicking on all cylinders, some of those cylinders need to be really, really good. And you saw Dylan Cease today be really, really good. Kendall Graveman today was good enough to overcome the bad defense there in the ninth inning. Well, it seemed especially on the second error, like he just panicked from the first error. He, well, that's a so play that he makes. That's a play that he makes so many times yeah. and so many times so well too. I mm -hmm. mean, he is the the master of that, going to second base and and, and turning that into a double play. Uh, that was definitely thinking two before you got one, and uh, you know the the hustle by the Orioles commend them because that's what that made that happen at first. You know, at first base there. So uh, a, a good job by the O's in in turning nothing into something, uh, and and obviously Abreu. That's a that's something that you would not expect to see from him quite often moving forward. And I know you didn't see all four games, but your impressions of the Orioles, because I come away very impressed. They try, right? And mm -hmm. uh, it goes to show you that, uh, you know, I'm not saying any other team doesn't, but it goes to show you how effort can, can you know, lead to some pretty good results sometimes. And uh, they, they played a heck of a defense, especially in the mm -hmm. outfield. Uh, Cedric Mullen's pretty good. Uh, you know, they, they, they've got, they, I, I'm not ready to say, you know, they're the new juggernaut of the AL East because that is an impossible division to compete in if you're not the Yankees these days, but, uh, you know, good job on them in, in, in trying to uh, do what they can do in a season where they're not expected to really do anything. Right. I mean, they're going to end up probably with a lot of losses to a lot of good teams in that division. Uh, they are, uh, they're not, uh, 
folding it folding it up and uh, throwing in the towel. So uh, impressions of the Orioles is uh, they play hard, and that's uh, all you can ask for, I guess, when the talent level is as uh, disparate as it is in the AL East. Well, yeah, it's funny because right now the White Sox are three games under 500 and five and a half games out of their division, and the Orioles six games under 500, 19 and a half games back <laughs> in the AL East. I mean, that's worse than the Royals, and the Royals are 26 and 45. The Yankees, you talk about the juggernaut, they're 11 games in front of the Red Sox who are on a seven-game win streak and are 42-31. and 31. I mean, thank God the White Sox are in, aren't in the AL East because they'd be done already with all these injuries. Uh, let's go back to the injuries. A lot of people are asking about updates for these players. So, uh, And this is from Eric. Eric, too, sent in a, a question on Twitter uh, at that Eric uh, asking about updates for some of these players. So I'll just go down the line if you just want to you know, go back and forth with me. We'll start with Yohan Moncada because it sounds like he'll return the soonest. Is that true? Yeah, Tony LaRusso said they hope to have him in the starting lineup on Tuesday. Apparently all is well with him, and he will be back uh, very early on in that Anaheim series. Will he make the trip uh, like with them tomorrow? I would imagine, yeah. Okay, I, I just yeah. or today, today, I guess, yeah, I'm just wondering if, if he'll fly. Do we think Lenin Sosa will be going down then with Mankata being called up? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not. Okay. Uh, it would it would make sense, right? I mean, he was up here as a fill-in infielder. If you don't need that infielder, then that would uh, make sense. Jake Berger, obviously, you know, has swung a, a good bat for the most part, and uh, you know, deserves to to keep getting some offensive opportunities. Um, but certainly, Yohan Moncada is the va- vastly more impressive defensive player, uh, and you would want to give him the majority of the time, if not all the time at third base if his health allows. Well, I wonder too, because we saw Harrison in left field. We know Leary can play the outfield. Maybe they leave Sosa up and maybe they try Garcia and Harrison out in left field and and Hazley goes down. But it'll definitely be interesting uh, to see. Aloy Jimenez currently on his rehab. When do we think or when could we possibly expect him to be back? Tony mentioned, I, I had asked Tony after the game, you know, do you expect to get healthier on, on the road trip? And he specifically brought up Yoan, and he specifically brought up Aloy. He did not say, you know, we hope to have Aloy back by X, but he would, you know, mention that it would be nice to have Aloy back uh, at some point. Um, certainly he's in the middle of that rehab assignment. And, uh, you know, they probably uh, waited to make sure that he was feeling good to order to start things up. If he's feeling fine and feeling healthy, it's just a matter of getting that timing back. And uh, probably that would carry over into you know being activated onto the major league team you know because he has been laid off for so long uh but it's about him being healthy and if he's healthy enough to keep playing games days in a row down in charlotte he'd probably be healthy to to start playing in the majors pretty soon i would imagine he's probably the next guy back after yoan but i'm not 100 percent sure no real dates on anybody else besides yoan as we as you'll find out as we go along here is July 4th the, the first homestand or first game when they open that homestand against Minnesota too early for Aloy, do you think? I mean, it'd be almost what? Almost two weeks on the rehab assignment, right? right? I mean, it, it would that would be a lot of games at Charlotte. So I would imagine that that is a possibility. Um, but again, it's going to be based entirely on how he feels, not necessarily anything they need to see from a results standpoint down uh, playing with the Knights. Yeah, and Aloy's been very, uh, you know, good down there. He's been hitting uh, uh, down there. So, I mean, that's good to see. He's gotten on base a couple times. Uh, let's go to the next guy we don't know a ton about, Adam Ingle. He left in that game on Wednesday, placed on the 10-day IL. Is that a minor injury, something that they're just watching and, and looking out for? We talked to Adam on, on Thursday, the day he was placed on the IL, and he, he said, you know, you remember those horrible hamstring problems he had last year mm-hmm. I think held him under 40 games uh, during the season last year uh it's the same hamstring which is you know red flag for the White Sox but Angle said he doesn't think it's anywhere near as okay. as severe and he said he thinks it'll be a short-term stay on the IL so I'm not sure if it would be exactly the 10 days or if you know it would have to go past that to make sure all is well with him but um he's confident that it is not anything uh like he experienced last year Final three guys, and these are the guys that we have questions or more questions and marks about. Aaron Bummer has been on the IL since early May, and we haven't seen him since. Haven't seen him start a rehab assignment yet. What's the update on Bummer? Yeah, again, you know, few and far between in terms of, you know, specifics, but certainly they, you know, are, are of are realizing that he is out longer than maybe that they had originally hoped or, or, you know, certainly they much longer than they'd like to be without Aaron bummer. Um, I think it probably is going to be a little longer. It looks like just because he's, you know, uh, like you said, yet to kind of go through some of the steps that you would expect from a guy who's kind of ramping up to being ready to go. 
There's concerns about Liam just because he mentioned that he's had a torn UCL since 2008. They obviously shut him down with elbow inflammation. That's always a concern. Uh, his window was about three weeks. We're closing in on the end of that window. Any updates on if that inflammation has started to go away for Hendricks? I mean, it seems like he's hopeful that he can be back around that time. And I think that that would be, you know, within the next week or so, really. So um, he's been playing catch. He's been doing pregame work. We've seen him going out to the field, whether it's, uh, you know, full throttle or in the earlier stages, just kind of making sure that he's getting back to where he needs to be. Um, but he is doing he is doing his work and playing catch. And uh, I think the idea is that uh, it would be closer to that window uh, that was initially announced than not. Good to hear. And then final guy, yes, Monty Grandal. We know that uh, he'll probably have a rehab assignment when he's ready to start one. Do we have uh, an estimate or maybe an idea when that might happen? The short answer is no. Uh, okay. The longer answer is uh, he's another guy who we have seen working really hard and, and every single day. I mean, uh, if you know anything uh, about Yasmani Grandal's pregame routine, it is uh, mapped out to the minute. Uh, he is a guy that is never stops working uh, dur before a game. You know, he, he'll come back to his locker and grab a bat or he'll come back to his locker and grab, you know, a drink or an article of clothing that he needs to wear for the next thing and zip right back onto the next station. So uh, he is uh, doing that. We see him before the game's running. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is... Um, and it, it's very similar. It reminds me of what happened last year when he was coming back from that injury last year. Obviously, that was a procedure last year, uh, you know, in the middle of the, of the summer when you'd see him out there, you know, busting his ass, running around pregame. So um, he is he is doing more and more and doing a lot of work to try and get back in this lineup. And I know that winning is a great deodorant, but I want to know if you have any sense of how these guys are actually doing. 34 and 37, I'm sure they're not where they wanted to be at this point. So can you take the temperature of what that clubhouse is really feeling like going into Anaheim after the win? Yeah, it's good, but you just dropped three or four versus Baltimore. Well, the focus is, and, and Tony was asked about this before the game and, and gave the explanation that the focus is on every day. I mean, for the longest time, we've heard from, be it from him or from Rick Hahn or from any of the players, you know, just wait, it'll work out in the big picture. We've got plenty of time to, to make things up. He kind of was talking about the opposite today, and that was, you know, don't worry about the big picture. Don't worry about uh, making things up in, in July or, or, have, or, you know, being in a certain position in August. Just win the damn game today and, 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 and then tomorrow. Win the damn game tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, it's very much a, uh, a, a focused group. Uh, I, I don't think anybody ever needs to criticize or worry about the mental state of, the, of this team or the emotional state of this team unless given reason to in an unexpected fashion. Um, but they are very focused on, on doing their work and, and getting in there and, and making sure everything is right on a daily basis. So, um, you know, I don't think that really solves any qualms that the fan base might have, but um, that's the focus of this team right now. Today it worked, tomorrow it might not. You know, so uh, uh, just because you're focused uh, and locked in doesn't mean you're going to play well. Just because you're focused and locked in doesn't mean you're going to get the results you want. Just because you're focused and locked in doesn't mean you're going to win. Um, and that's what the White Sox need to do right now. But the way that they think they can do it is by not looking uh, too far down the road and not looking at where they need to be by a certain time, but looking where they need to be today. So it's taking it day by day, and tomorrow we'll see Vinny Duber in studio. Thank you for your great reporting and your great insight, Vinny. You can follow Vinny on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. We'll see you tomorrow. All righty, guys. Take it easy. See you. All right, Herb, tomorrow we got the Angels series starting. Post got a game, game right? on, Yeah, we got post-game only tomorrow, so join us after the final out is made. We'll have pre-game shows on Tuesday and Wednesday starting at 8 p.m. Tomorrow it's Giolito versus Syndergaard. Very important start for Lucas Giolito, and the White Sox are going up against a, you know, notable right-handed pitcher so we'll see how they do against Syndergaard on Tuesday you got the White Sox throwing out Johnny Cueto the Angels pitcher is still TBD and on Wednesday the White Sox are going to roll out Michael Kopech versus Shohei Otani mm. hurts um yeah that's gonna be a loss <laughs> we get Lucas back in his home state and he's feeling more like himself gets to speak to his people gets to talk to his 
his buddies, has a meal at a familiar spot. He's like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm about. He, I think he, him and his wife live more closer to uh, San Francisco area. I think they're in the Davis uh, University of California at Davis. I think she's graduated, but they live more over there from the offseason. So the San Francisco start will be a start where he can sleep in his own bed for a couple of days. But being at home, enjoying some time with his mom and his dad, enjoying some time with his friends, his family, and then going out and shoving versus the Anaheim Angels would be a, a phenomenal comeback from what he's done in the last month plus. And then knowing the White Sox bat, they'll let him know. Yeah, and 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 they'll maybe, score zero runs. And maybe looking at Dylan Cease and saying, like I said, sometimes you just gotta say, fuck it. I'm Lucas Giolito. I don't give a goddamn what that person across from me is doing. I'm gonna <laughs> throw this ball and if he hits it, he hits it. But damn it, I'm gonna execute the pitch that I can do because I'm Lucas Giolito. If he hits it for a home run, he hits it for a home run because it seems like confidence is waning so many times. And you brought it up last time. Instead of starting and attacking the hitters, he's going 1-0 on a lot of these hitters. Mm-hmm. He's walking a lot of more of these hitters than he usually is because that's not confidence in your stuff. That's getting hit hard. That's miles per hour being down from where you were usually at. I want him to be just focused on, hey, I'm Lucas Giolito. I'm not the worst pitcher in baseball. Worst I'm goddamn Lucas Giolito, and I don't care if Shohei's over there. I don't care if 27's over there. You're going to get this fastball, and you're going to enjoy it, and now go and sit down. So and Sometimes the attitude, just to your attitude. You saw Dylan Cease today come off the mound. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't do it. It's uncharacteristic because he had everything. He had a, every goddamn thing. Today, he's like, these people can't hit me. And he's like, come on, man. I've been doing well out here. Right. Pump it up, crowd, for me. I'm Dylan Cease. And that's what we should have him with Lucas Giolito tomorrow out there in Anaheim. Join us for post game after Lucas Giolito shoves. Shall be fun. And hopefully he shoves so no one clips this and makes you look bad. Uh, fingers crossed, though, for Lucas Giolito and the White Sox. If they win all three, they'll be at 500. I can say that. That is a fact. Yeah. And that's not me being positive. That is just true. And, and then, if they lose all three, there'll be six games under five. And I'll see them on Friday. I'm going out there to San Francisco to there make sure that they keep everything on the right track and checking out that ballpark because everybody has told me it's the best ballpark in baseball. It's going to be tough to beat PNC. It's going to be tough to beat Petco, too. And it'll probably be tough to beat Carlos Rodon because he'll probably be starting in one of those games uh, that weekend out in San Francisco. That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast, for watching us live. I am sorry about our voice. Hopefully, it wasn't too straining on you, and I will be drinking a lot of tea tonight to hopefully get back up uh, to my, my 100%. You have your pinky up while you're drinking oh, you the know tea? It. You know, pinky up always. Pinky's up for Mark Tian. <laughs> Pinky's up for Herb. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerall23. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Vinny jo- uh, Duber joined us from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. You can follow the CHGO White Sox account, at CHGO underscore White Sox. And two, uh, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get $2,000 in risk-free bets. Uh, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership when you sign up, uh, and that will unlock all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. You can download the PointsBet app right now to use that code CHGO. Again, if you use CHGO when you sign up and make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, like Vinny Duber's uh, great articles and all of our staff beat writers, great articles, and you get access into our members-only discount, and you get that free shirt. And we have new f- shirt options too uh, since we opened in March. We have three great new options for the Chicago fan in your life. You'll be signing up the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Excited to talk about the Angels series this upcoming week with Vinny and Herb in studio. We will see you on Monday night after the game goes final for the live post-game show here on our YouTube channel. For Herb Lawrence, Vinny Duber, I'm Sean Anderson. For Steven Nicholas and for Fleetwood Mac's great 1978 or 1979 album, Tusk, we will talk to you tomorrow. Go White Sox.